0: Isn't it great to be in church? I love seeing your masks. Excellent. Excellent. Can you help me out as I'm preaching this morning? So, if it's something good, because I can't see you if you're smiling and if you're grumpy with me. So, but if it's good, can you just go like this? Can we have a practice? That was a good point. Thank you. All right, that's good. That's what we want to hear. Yeah. Okay, so I'm expecting at least 150 of those this morning. Rightio. Why don't we pray, hey, as we come into God's Word. Heavenly Father, we want to thank You for Your Word, for it is truth and it is life. And we want to be hearers, but we want to be doers. And so, Lord, by the Spirit of God, I pray that You would bring things to our heart and our mind that we need to address in order to be like Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. So, we're continuing in the book of John and... John is revealing things about Jesus to show that He is the Messiah, the Son of God. Remember, our key verse for this year is John chapter 20, verse 31. But these things are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in His name, you will have life. And that's what we want to have, life. Don't you want to have life? I want life. Amen. Thank you for that one ex- explanation. Thank you. Do you want to have life, or do you just want to live in death? No, we want to live in life. So, John's revealing things about Jesus as he is writing, and the situation is this, that Jesus is slowly revealing who He is through this Feast of Tabernacles that it's, that's taken place. So, remember, this is a seven-day festival, and what's happened on, you know, seven of those days, there's been the pouring out of water onto the altar, which signified the Holy Spirit and knowing the Holy Spirit. And then on the last day, Jesus said this, anyone who is thirsty may come to me, and anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the Scripture declares rivers of living water will flow from his heart. That's what Jesus said at the end of this incredible moment at the Feast of Tabernacles. He was saying that, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And we know that Jesus did that after He ascended into heaven and on the day of Pentecost, He sent the Holy Spirit to come. The second thing that He did to reveal Himself was that, that there was the light, that Jesus said that He is the light. And remember the four pillars that were in the women's temple, they would burn throughout the night during the Feast of Tabernacles And on the last day, when the flames were extinguished and people were contemplating the end of this festival, Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness, because you will have light that leads to life. Jesus is saying, I give the Holy Spirit, I am light, I give it to you. And when I shared that message to you, I I told you that every morning I pray for you, I pray that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation of who Jesus is. I said, God, give, them, give the church revelation of who Jesus is. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, that's not enough. And I said, what, Lord? And He said, the church not only needs to receive the revelation of Jesus Christ, but the church needs to be the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen? We need to be that revelation. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. That's what He pronounced, I'm the light of the world. And you know that He says to us, you are the light of the world. So, we not only receive light, but we need to be the light, the light of Jesus Christ. So, Jesus is revealing who He is, He's going to send the Holy Spirit, He is light. Then last week, Pastor Ken spoke about regarding sin. And this is what Jesus said, for unless you believe that I I am who I claim to be, unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. Now, Jesus makes this statement that, if you do not believe in Me, you will die in your sins. John chapter 8, verse 24. And when you hear that, sometimes that's really confronting. Some people think, well, that's a hard word to have. But the reality is this, Jesus is not making the statement to threaten you, Jesus is making the statement so that we understand what, it, what life is about, what the consequences of sin are like, that if you do not believe in Him, you will die in your sins and that's a tragic thing. You don't want to have your friends die in their sins and have an eternity that's lost forever. The Father so loved the world, think about that, that He gave His only Son, that if you believe in Him, you wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. But Jesus says, hey, the consequences of unbelief of who I am, you'll die in your sins. That's that's the reality of it all. We can't shake that. But God loves us. God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants us all to come to a saving knowledge of Him. And when we look at those things, that tension, sometimes we go, gee, that's harsh. But you've got to put on the other side of that. God loves you. He doesn't want you to be lost. Sometimes I'm asked by different people this question. Why didn't God make us perfect so that we wouldn't sin? And that's a great question. I hope I've got a great answer. And here's the answer. If God made you perfect, then you wouldn't sin. Because you wouldn't have a choice. And God created you with a free will to make a choice. Because if you don't have a free will, and you don't have free choice, you're just a robot. Do you know that you are created in the image of God? In the book of Revelation, it talks about how Jesus is seated on the throne, it talks about His hair, and you know, His hands, and His, His feet are like bronze. We are made in the image, as in kind of like an outline of who Jesus is. But you know, it's more to it than that. We've a spirit, we have a soul, And we have a mind to make free choice and you're in made in the image of God so that you can make a choice he didn't make us perfect folks but he made us innocent and innocent to make a choice of right and wrong and if you choose sin and continue to live in it you will die in your sin but if you choose life my goodness it's a life that's incredible a life of freedom a life of peace God doesn't charge you for that opportunity of salvation. It's freely given so that everyone can say, you don't go to church for salvation. You go to church because of your salvation, because you want to be with people that encourage one another in their salvation. You may get saved in church, but you don't go to church to receive salvation. In fact, you don't even join a denomination to receive salvation it doesn't matter what type of brand that you put on your heart makes no difference if you're anglican if you're protestant if you're episcopalian they always say that the american preachers they always say episcopalian doesn't matter if you're pentecostal charismatic brethren baptist you don't come to that for salvation now i'm going to say something here that might shock you you don't even come to the pastor for salvation I can't save you. Amen? I can't. I'm inadequate. You just have to ask my wife. I totally fall short. We come to Jesus for salvation. And it's free. Free. Absolutely free. So John is unpacking this. He's writing and he's saying that Jesus is the one who's going to bring the Holy Spirit Jesus is the light of the world. The reality of, we don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, we will die in our sins. And so, we come to this next portion of Scripture, and it's quite a long portion of Scripture, and I don't particularly want to read it. It's John chapter 8, verse 31 to 59. But here's the bottom line. After Jesus reveals that He's going to give the Holy Spirit, after Jesus reveals that He is the light of the world, after Jesus reveals that you can die in your sin, it says this in verse 30 of John 8, many believed in Him. And Jesus continues the conversation to believers. Are you a believer? I'm a believer. So this is for believers, this next portion of Scripture. And as Jesus is unfolding this 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 next thing that he says, I'll give you the whole kind of like, you know, crux of it all from 31 to 59, Jesus says something, and they get really shirty with him, because he says something that challenges them, and they say, but we're children of Abraham, it doesn't matter, it doesn't, we're children of Abraham, and they tied their whole life to the idea that it mattered where you came from to be connected with God. It's If I'm part of the the children of Israel, if I'm part of Abraham's family, then that's all I need. But Jesus says something here that is a challenge to the believers of that day and to us today. Jesus said to the people, verse 31, who believed in Him. So, what did they believe? They believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. And He's talking to them and He throws something at them that kind of makes them go, whoa, whoa. It's confronting. Have you read something that Jesus said to you and it's been confronting? Unpleasant. But Jesus wants to take you to a deeper place. He wants you to have a richer relationship with Him. But attached to that, there's an expectation from us. And this is what He says in John chapter 8 verse 31. He says, to those who believed in Him, if you are truly my disciple, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. Doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter where you think you're going. The NLT says this You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Wow. So, out of all those verses, 31 to 59, I want to focus on this one verse because this is the linchpin. For us as believers in Christ and I just want to pick out a couple of words there and the first word is this what is a disciple what is a disciple hmm. when you say what is a disciple I want you to stop and think I know we've had a rough week but I just want you to stop just close your eyes for one moment go on I'm watching it's all right if anything happens I'll let you know What is a disciple? What is the picture that comes to your mind? What is that? Is it someone who is praying? Because that's what disciples do. Is it someone sharing their faith to another person? Is it someone reading the Word of God? Because that's what disciples are supposed to do. Is it doing good acts of service for the poor. What is the picture in your mind of a disciple? Okay, you can open your eyes now. So you've got that picture in your mind of what is a disciple. Can I tell you this? Whatever that picture is, it's wrong. This is what a disciple is. And before we throw it up, have you ever seen that sign before? What does that sign mean? It means learner. Do you know, literally in the Greek, the word disciple means to be a learner. So from now on, when you think of a Christian I want you to think of a learner, I want you to think of a person who is driving who is a learner. Have you ever been behind a learner when they're driving? I know someone who was learning to drive, they couldn't even get on the road because they reversed out of the back of their 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 driveway, hit another car and the tire exploded. What a way to start learning. But we'll pray for Abby later, that'll be fine. but you know what? She's learning. And do you know what she learned that day? Look around. Do you remember when you first started to learn? It was so hard. You were sitting there and you were looking to the left, you're looking to the right, looking the front, you're looking at the back. You have to put an indicator on. You have to change gears if you had a manual. You had to put your foot on the accelerator, take it off the accelerator, put it on the clutch, put it on the brake, and you're driving like that, and you're having a cigarette and having a a drink and trying to change the radio at the same time. Who can remember those days? Thank you. That's one honest person in church. It was really complicated. It was really hard. And with a big L on your back, everyone just stands back and goes, well, just let them make a little mistake. You know, when I was, was driving, I once went down, <laughs> I wasn't a learner, I, was, I had a driver's license, I went down a one-way street, the wrong way in the middle of Brisbane City. Boy, I learned something that day. But you learn, think about a learner. You're trying to do all these things. And you think, my goodness. I got, I, I, but then one day something happens, something happens clicks and it comes to the day when you do your test to prove that you are no longer a learner and what happens you go and you do the test and you receive a license that proves you are a driver that's called a driver's license Do you know that as a learner in Christ, there is no limitation like a driver's license? Because it is unending. We never stop growing. We never stop learning. We never stop developing. Because Jesus is infinite. He never ends. And here's the question. What are we to learn as Christians? What are we to learn? What is it all about? We are lifelong learners concerning life. How to live. You're a learner learning to live life. Living life according to Christ's way, not your way. In fact, it's an abundant life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have what? Life. And have it how? How much? In abundance. A disciple is a learner and he's learning to live life. That's pretty simple. Isn't life pretty simple? Isn't it always the same or is it changing? Is it developing and growing? Are things changing around you? Well, Jesus wants you to know how to live life, to live life the right way. And here's the second part. The second word, he says, you are truly my learners if you remain faithful. That word remain means to stay, to stay faithful. We have to stay faithful. Have you ever noticed driving on the road and you see a learner? Well, you think it's a learner, but they just haven't put the L on their plate, you know, the back. Have you ever seen someone when they turn a corner or they go into a side street and they don't put on the indicator and they slow down, you go, whoa! But then when they go into the side street, this is how they turn. You know, this is the same as this. Crossing the other side of the road to turn around into that side street, that's wrong. You forgot what you learned you did not stay faithful to that which you first learnt. do you know that my driving instructor told me this he says if you are going round a corner the first thing you do is what put on your indicator and cuz I was learning in a manual he says you change down gears from fourth to third to second and you take your foot off the accelerator It's already happened but you take it off the other thing what's the third pedal the clutch so that the engine slows down the car okay i can see some people are looking at each other so it slows down the car and then you can go around the corner safely now some of you thinking is is that really the right way to do it yes that is the right way to do it now if you're in an automatic well then you just take your foot off your accelerator and you put it on the brake but you do slow down but we've seen people who have been driving for 30 years and they don't slow down and they don't change gears but they will say well I've got 30 years experience the problem is The only one who's having the experience at the moment is everyone around you and it's not good because you forgot what you learned they didn't stay faithful have you ever found and wondered why some christians who start off being so incredibly passionate for god You know, they're in every prayer meeting and every meeting and they want to serve and, you know, and they're giving and they're just loving everyone. Then all of a sudden, they're nowhere. They've just done. And you think to yourself, how can that be? Well, firstly, they didn't stay faithful to what they learned. And secondly, they didn't have a mindset to be a continued learner and didn't stay faithful to those teachings. Do you know that I have found that when I read my Bible and I have read it, I, I don't know, maybe a hundred times, there is always something new out of something that I've already read. Because what happens is God's Word breaks open with new revelation. But the person who is kind of like given it all away, they say, well, I've read it once and I know it all. And if you ever say that to me, I'm going to take you to the bathroom and I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. Because if you say, I know it all, do you know what you do? You elevate yourself to the same level of God and therefore you never need God because you know it all. And the reality is, we don't know everything. In fact, the more that we learn about Jesus, the more that we realize how little we know. Amen? So, we must stay faithful. Our attitude should be staying faithful to Him who brings greater revelation and understanding. And what do we stay faithful to? we stay faithful to his teachings, his teachings. Have you ever prayed something like, and this is just me, I don't know if it's you, and sometimes, you know, when you think if it's just you, you think maybe I'm a little bit strange, but I think, have you ever prayed, God, I want to change, I want to grow, I want to be more like Jesus. Have you ever prayed something similar, I want to be like Jesus, and then you crack open the Bible, and you read something, and you go, wow that's that's a really tough deal uh, i don't know if i can do that that's a hard saying why does that happen that when we read it and then we go Ooh, it's contrary to the experience that we've had do you know when we are born and we are growing we are learning we're having experiences we're having information and knowledge that's been downloaded into our brain of life, and then what happens is, out of that knowledge or understanding, that experience, we then create truths in our life. And out of those truths, we live our life, from the basis of experience, to truth, to life. And so then when we are confronted with God's Word, and we go... (gasps) that's really hard, I don't know if I can do that. Let me give you an example. You're reading the Word of God, and you come upon a scripture that says this, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And because you've asked God that you want to grow and change and develop and be more like Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and He goes, He touches your heart. Father, forgive them. And you think that's a tough saying, because my experience from life has created a truth that I now adhere to, which is never forgive, never forget. But the Holy Spirit goes, touches your heart, and then you start to think in context what's happening, what Jesus is talking about, and then you realise. It's about when Jesus went to the cross. And what happened when Jesus went to the cross? Well, first off, they spat in his face. They slapped him. They pulled hair from his beard. They rammed a crown of thorns on his head. And as sweat and blood flowed from his forehead into his eyes. He could not see. Then they made him carry his cross... And he went up to a place called Golgotha, the skull, the place of death and shame. And as they get there, the cross was picked up by another man that was thrown on the ground. Then Jesus is thrown on the cross. And his arms are stretched out, his legs are pulled down. And they start to pound pieces of steel into his hands. And as the hammer bounces off the steel, his body jerks. With every pound. His body jerks. And he's there. And they lift him up. And they drop him in the ground. And there he is. As people are mocking him. And laughing. And telling him to do something. He says, Father, forgive them. And then you read this word. They don't know what they're doing. And you're in that situation, and the Holy Spirit touches your heart. And what happens is this, Father, forgive them. An incident in your mind flashes across it, and you think of a time when someone hurt you. Someone who ridiculed you, who made fun of you, who laughed at you. And that word pounds in your chest, forgive them, forgive them. And you go... I I don't know if I can do this, God. I don't know if I can let this thing go. You don't know what happened to me. You know, that picture on the cross was the most shameful picture and death of all. And Jesus on the cross, in that pain, He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They did not realize what they were doing, that they were crucifying the Lord of glory. They had no clue, no idea. Do you know, when someone hurts you, they really don't know what they're doing to you. They don't realize the pain that you experience. They don't realize the shame that you feel. They don't realize that with that that very incident, how it's like that broken record or that movie that just repeats and repeats and repeats and it's torturous to our soul. And it's hard to let it go. But the Holy Spirit is saying, Father, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And in that moment, folks, As the Holy Spirit is bringing you to a point of change and growth, He's willing you to forgive them, but I can't. I can't. I can't. I'm no different to you. I've been hurt like you. Do you know? I find that when I focus on a hurt, the hurt becomes such a such a monster that grows and entangles my feelings and my emotions, and I just can't let it go. But God is saying this. You are truly my disciples. If you remain, if you stay faithful to my teachings. God, I don't understand that. How can that be? Why should I forgive them? And then the Holy Spirit will say this. Perhaps the remedy for this pain is found in forgiveness. And that's what it is. You know what takes place when the Holy Spirit comes to you and wills you through the Word of God for change and develop and growth and it's contrary to our thinking and our belief because of our experience and we've created that truth we'll never let it go and then god comes and he brings a truth to us and we go that's not lining up it's not lining up but the remedy is there for us folks the remedy for our pain in this situation is to forget is to forgive You know what God has done for us? God has set in His Word long, long ago the answer to our problem. He knows what you've gone through. He knows. And He set it up for us. In fact, He prepared it for us so that when we would come to it, and because we've had all this pain in our past, we come to truth to live our experience and to live life and we weigh it in the balance. A disciple is a learner who stays faithful to the process and replaces what they've learned in life to be true with the truth that brings life. A disciple is a learner who stays faithful to the truth to His teachings, and in the process replaces what we've learned in life to be the truth with the truth that brings life. The challenge for us is to change the lie. Change it when confronted with the truth, when it's overwhelming, when it's hurtful, but when God's Word hits our heart and the Holy Spirit touches it, it's like... Do it. We have experienced life and we live out of that truth. But we need to experience truth to live the life that He wants us to live. We have experienced life and we create truths and we stay in that. But God brings truth and He says, this is the truth, and if you do that, then you'll live life. Do you know that in John 14, verse 6, Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Why didn't He say, I am life, this is the truth, this is the way? He says, I am the way, I am is, I am God, I'm the way, this is the truth. You've got to have the truth before you can live the life. Because if you live your life according to your experience and create a truth, you'll be held back all of your life. We have experienced life and we live out of that truth, but we need to experience truth to live life. Truth must come first. Because of when we create that, that truth... It's restricted, it's not right, it's wrong. So we must learn to live out of truth and not live out of life's experience. And what is the purpose of this teaching? When we are confronted with truth that God is calling us to live life, what's the whole purpose of that? And here is the verse, the verse that is so powerful, a verse that is probably more misunderstood than any other verse in the Bible. And it comes straight after what Jesus says, if you are truly my disciples, my learners, you will remain faithful to my teaching. And this is what it says, John 8 verse 32. Let's put it up there. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free you will know the truth and the truth will set you free but here's the thing that word know as in knowledge and knowing i've heard christians say well i've read god's word i've got it all stuck in my head i know it all i'm good that's it it's it's fantastic i know it all that word knowledge is knowledge through learned experience it's a knowledge that is learned through experience doing it so when God gives you knowledge and that is empowered you have to experience that you will never be free from the pain of unforgiveness until you decide to forgive and when you implement that truth into your life then there will come change I am sure, like you, there's been times when I have to let things go and I have to forgive. And when I don't, it just holds me. It captures me. It's the work of the enemy. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus comes to have life and heaven in abundance. And if we yeah. never let it go, wow. If we never implement the truth if we never learn through the experience we will never be free i want to be free (laughs) i want to i want to be free i don't want to have any hang-ups i just want to live life and enjoy it the truth of jesus teachings comes to a point whether I obey what He says to be free or I stay captive. You know, you only really know something until you experience it. And Jesus wants you to be free. And at this feast the Tabernacle, He's bringing this revelation of who He is That he's going to send the Holy Spirit so out of your life will flow rivers of living water. That he's the light of the world and he wants you to be the light of the world. That the reality is if you remain in your sins, you will die. But then he says, if you're truly my disciples, if you're truly learners of me in life, if you hold fast to my teaching, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is what Galatians 5.1 says, it was for freedom that Christ set you free. Freedom. I love that William Wallace story. Oh, Braveheart. You know, where Mel Gibson, who is playing him, he shouts this freedom that comes from, from the depth of his being. I don't know how he does it, but he shouts, Freedom! Freedom in the face of death. You know, when we are totally free, we make ourselves completely vulnerable to things. But how are we to live? How does he want us to live? He wants you to live free. So this morning, I would like you to stand. I can't preach any better than that. I've got to let the Holy Spirit touch your heart. But I know that I know that I have to bring that challenge to you or I'm not doing my job. It's just to bring you the truth. I can tell you things that I have gone through and some would believe and some would not believe. I can tell you things that have probably make you cry. That's not the point. It's not the point, because I've dealt with that stuff and I've let it go and I'm free. My question for you this morning is this, what are you holding on to that God wants you to be free from? Is it to forgive someone that has hurt you incredibly? I know, I know that, I know that. They've hurt you incredibly and you go, I can't and I won't. Well, if you don't, you'll stay locked up. Maybe it's loving someone. Who you think they don't deserve my love. That's the power of love. It's an undeserved thing. That's the essence of true love is to love when it's undeserved. Do you know that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us because he loved us? We didn't deserve his love, but he gave us his love to show us who he was. Maybe it's believing for something. Believing for something. You go, just I can't do it anymore. Maybe it's believing for someone. Maybe it's trusting God. Why don't we let the Holy Spirit do his work this morning? why don't you just close your eyes just close your eyes you know jesus said this in john 16 and i can't wait till we get there he said i'm going to send the comforter to you someone who will come alongside and when he speaks he will only speak the truth the truth he will not speak of his own he will only speak of what He hears. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you would come and touch a part of my life that needs to be set free. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and touch your church that they might be set free. Holy Spirit, I pray for those who are watching online that you would touch their hearts and you would help them to be set free. That we would change the experience of life that we've taken to make truth and instead take truth to experience life. I just want you to open your heart and your mind this morning to the Holy Spirit. And let him touch something in your heart that you need to let go of. And I know you might say, Okay, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Perhaps the remedy for your pain is to forgive and give it to him. Give it to him. You don't have to understand you just got to give it to him and let him set you free. Let him set you free. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.